listening to The Scope, a podcast dedicated to having open conversations about healthcare topics relevant to our patients and community. Today, we're talking about common COVID-19 vaccine questions. Let's get started. Today, our guest is Dr. Corey Offit, family medicine physician with the Phelps Health Medical Group. Welcome to our first show of 2021. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're super excited to have you back. I know it's uh, going to be a very interesting 2021 with the COVID vaccine now available. So before we get started with our show and our topic of COVID-19 and commonly asked questions, tell us a little bit about yourself. Give us a refresher. So I'm Dr. Corey Offit. I practice uh, broad spectrum family medicine over at the Bond Clinic, now the Blues Lake Clinic with Phelps Health. Um, I also go out to the Vienna Clinic uh, on Friday mornings as well as an outreach clinic. Um, I see anything from small children, newborns, up to elderly, all spectrum of medical illnesses, wellness visits, dermatology, you name it, I pretty much see everything. Now you're also a podcaster with us. <laughs> exactly. So to kind of kick us off, go ahead and give us a refresher on what is COVID-19? So COVID-19 is a coronavirus um, that is very very virulent meaning it spreads very readily throughout the community um, and it affects pretty much everybody it causes a broad range of symptoms from mild flu-like symptoms to symptoms that are going to require hospitalization with major respiratory issues um, and we don't know a lot about the long-term ramifications of that yet yeah and we've been in this COVID-19 pandemic since March of last year mm -hmm. so going on about a year and we've learned a lot since, yeah. since that time period from wearing masks to not wearing masks. And, you know, what are some ways that we can best protect ourselves from spreading this virus or protecting ourselves? So hand washing and wearing your mask are by far the most important thing that you can do to help prevent uh, the spread. And then we've all heard social distancing, um, especially those outside of your own home and close tight-knit circles, um, trying to minimize the risks of like transmitting it from one person's circle to the other. So people that you're not around all the time trying to stay just within your own personal mm -hmm. circle. Yeah, in the small group settings, right? Yeah. Which is recommended by the CDC. It is. So if somebody has COVID-19, how quickly do those symptoms appear? What, what should we be looking for? So some people won't have symptoms at all. And so they can be asymptomatic spreaders. Um, and those are the ones that we really worry about. And that's why the mask wearing and hand washing is so important. And then symptoms can take as long, up to 14 days after an initial exposure to even show up. And so whenever your healthcare provider asks you, hey, have you been exposed to anybody with potential COVID-19 symptoms? That doesn't mean in the last 24 to 48 hours, that means in the last two weeks. Yeah, and something that I thought was interesting too with the COVID-19 vaccine is if somebody keeps going into a household that has recently been infected, their time period starts over, right? So every time you go into a house, That's your risk of infection starts over from that day, right? That is a re-exposure, yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I think that's something that people need to know too, is if you have a loved one or a family member that has COVID-19, every time you expose yourself to them while they have the virus, you're exposing yourself. And so example of that is our twin boys had had COVID-19 back in September. They got it at grandma's house. As soon as my wife and I found out about it with both of us being healthcare workers, we sent them back to grandma's house because everybody mm -hmm. there currently had it. Um, everybody was lucky enough in that household to have very mild symptoms and because of that we were able to then start our quarantine day at that mm -hmm. point um, and, to, and then ultimately we were able to get back to work sooner. 
That's awesome. And I know that we're very lucky that, you know, many of our healthcare workers at Phelps Health have, had, have stayed safe. So now that we've kind of recapped COVID-19 over yeah. the last 10 months and, you know, just a few short questions, let's talk about the vaccine, which is new. Um, I know at Phelps Health, we've only had it for just a couple of weeks, yeah. which is really exciting. And it kind of gives us a, a light at the end of the tunnel to, to look forward to with 2021. But let's start off with, with one question. Is the vaccine safe? It is very safe. It is actually even considered somewhat safer than a, lar a large number of the other vaccines that we have on the market because there is absolutely no live virus used in the making of the vaccine at all. So all of the parts in the vaccine never came from a virus. So have we developed a coronavirus vaccine before? What is in it? So we started research on them back with uh, the 2009 uh, epidemic and it kind of waned off because the virus didn't really amount to as huge of an issue as what mm -hmm. COVID-19 is. And so funding decreased and things like that. So things got held up, mostly in the phase one clinical trials. Um, but mRNA vaccines have been around for decades and they've been researching them for decades. This is just the first time they've really used them in the mainstream. So can a person get COVID-19 from the vaccination? Because you mentioned that a live virus mm -hmm. wasn't even used in the making of the vaccine. Absolutely not. 100% cannot give you COVID. The best way that I can explain it is that the mRNA is basically the instructions for your body to make its own vaccine. And so it is basically the instructions for your body to code for a part of the spike protein that is on COVID. And then once that is formed, that's the part of, that your immune system recognizes and it then forms antibodies to that. So your body is actually making part of the viral particle itself and not even the whole virus. And that's the part that your immune system recognizes and then makes antibodies to. Which Mia, how cool is that that our, body, that our bodies can do that and make that within yeah. itself? It is huge and it actually opens the door for so many other treatments down the road for not even just mm -hmm. immunizations, but even like cancer treatments and things like that. So you mentioned mRNA. Is this something new to vaccines or is this something that, you know, we've had for a while? They've been studying it for decades and they're actually, they've been looking at possible cancer treatments with it and things like that too for decades. Um, they just haven't been able to get it out in the mainstream and then part of that is because of the storage of it it's more difficult to store it has to be stored at very cold temperatures um and otherwise it degrades very very quickly um which is also another reason why the vaccine is so safe is that all of the parts of the vaccine are actually in and out of your system within hours to a couple of days which is really cool it right is. yeah so something that we talk about whenever we talk about vaccines especially the flu vaccine is mm -hmm mercury yep. right that's always a, a really hot topic for people is there mercury in the COVID-19 vaccine there is vaccine? no mercury whatsoever and even the mercury in like the other vaccines that have it's been alluded to is actually the safe form of mercury and not the toxic form of mercury mm -hmm. um there's actually less mercury in any of the vaccines than there are in like your common foods that you can consume on a daily basis yes, which most people don't know so let's yeah. digress for a second what yeah. type of mercury is even used in those vaccines so there's ethyl mercury and there's methyl mercury ethyl mercury is the safe methyl mercury is the dangerous and it is actually the ethyl mercury which is the safe form ironically there's actually methyl mercury in breast milk which is the toxic form yeah who would have thought right but there's not enough to even cause any issues yeah the more you know dr often yeah. <laughs> so is one vaccine we have a couple of them right mm -hmm. we have moderna and we have pfizer yeah. is one vaccine better than the other they're both around 95 percent effective um 
the Pfizer vaccine is approved for ages 16 and up. The Moderna vaccine is approved for ages 18 and up. And that's just because of the age groups that they included in their studies. Mm -hmm. So whenever we talk about age groups, mm -hmm. one thing that comes up as well is pregnant mothers. Yes. Should they be getting the vaccine? Is it safe for them? So there were no pregnant patients included in clinical trials, and that's just standard. They don't generally include pregnant patients in clinical trials unless it's specifically targeted for pregnant patients. And so each individual patient needs to be speaking with their healthcare provider. In general, um, it does seem to be safe, but again, that's one of those things that each individual person needs to be discussing with their healthcare provider. I know multiple healthcare like maternal fetal medicine specialists, dermatology and immunologist specialists, a friend of mine that's board certified in dermatology and has her PhD in immunology is currently pregnant and she got the vaccine. So I know of a lot of people that are getting it that are pregnant that are also medical professionals and other medical professionals who are experts in their fields that are recommending that pregnant patients get it. So it's completely safe for them is basically the bottom line. So it is much considered much safer than having COVID. Wow, okay, well there you go. <laughs> so I know that both of the vaccines, they come in two doses, right? They do. Why do they come in two doses? What's the purpose of that? So to make sure that we actually have an adequate immune response to it. So it's just like whenever we get vaccines as children, we have booster vaccines. Mm -hmm. And so that second dose is a booster. The first time you're exposed to it, it's been shown that you develop maybe a 50% response that you would need to fight off a pretty serious exposure and infection. Mm -hmm. And then the second dose bumps you up to around that 95%. Okay. So I'll use myself in, as an example. So I recently, as a Phelps Health employee, have gotten the COVID-19 Pfizer vaccine. Uh -huh. And I think like on the 27th, I have to go and get my second dose. What if I, what if I miss that date? What if I don't show up? It's okay if you miss the day. Ideally, you want to do it within that three-week window for the Pfizer, four-week window for the Moderna vaccine. Um, and... But if you miss it, it's okay that it's late. You're still going to have an immune response at that 50% on the first one. Some of that might wane down a little bit, but then your second dose should still bring you up pretty high on your immune response. Okay, so even if you have both of the, these doses, you can still get COVID-19, right? It's not protecting you completely. Yeah. So nothing is 100%. Yes. Absolutely nothing. And the only thing that would be a 100% is to make sure that it's not spreading around anymore. Mm -hmm. And you still are potentially susceptible. Everybody's immune system is different. How we handle our antibody load is different. And so some one person might develop a 70%. That means you're still 30% chance of getting COVID if you are exposed to it. And so it, everybody's a little bit different. Yes, so something else that I think is really interesting too is that I am somebody who has also had COVID unfortunately. Mm -hmm. What is the difference between like antibodies? So my my case wasn't super severe. I didn't wind up in the hospital, which was really great for me. Yeah. But as somebody who maybe was in the hospital, does that mean that they're they have more antibodies than me, or how does that work? Not necessarily, but um, it's been shown like the people that have a lesser immune or that like the asymptomatic individuals might have a less antibody response than those that had more severe symptoms. Um, the severity of symptoms also is attributable to their coexisting conditions. So if they have, are immunosuppressed on medications for like rheumatoid arthritis or cancer or something like that, if they have diabetes, high blood pressure, if they're obese, all put them at higher risk of having complications of COVID as well. And so that, which can leads to hospitalizations mm -hmm. for those patients. Yeah, so it's almost like a double-sided sword, it right? Is. Like in, in one sense, it's good because you may have more antibodies, but on the other side, if you have comorbidities, it could put you at a higher risk. It does. 
And even if you have had COVID, CDC does still recommend getting COVID vaccine. Mm-hmm. Um, if nothing else, it still would act as a booster to your immune system, keep promoting a better immune response. Mm-hmm. So you've talked about immune response as well. And I think this is really important that we talk mm-hmm. about because even with the flu shot, people get the flu shot and they say, well, the flu shot gave me the flu. Yeah. The COVID vaccine gave me COVID. Mm-hmm. That's not true, right? What no. What is an immune response? What so, does that look like and feel like? An immune response is just person's ability to respond to something that is foreign in your body. So that can even be something as small as a splinter. Like we all get redness and pain around the side of a splinter. And that essentially is the same thing happening whenever you get a vaccine. Your immune system recognizes it as abnormal and sends all of these inflammatory cells and uh, immune system cells to fight it off, identify it, and make antibodies to be able to fight it off if it's exposed again. So that can be in the form of fever, body aches, localized tenderness and redness, um, congestion, fatigue, any number of things that you would usually attribute to Mm -hmm. a viral illness, but they are very short-lived. They usually last no more than three days after a vaccine Mm -hmm. and usually are pretty treatable with Tylenol and ibuprofen. Yeah, so I almost want to say you should be excited if you get an immune response because it means it's working, right? Exactly. So my arm was very tender after I got Mm -hmm. my first dose last week. and so much that I couldn't even lay on that arm that mm-hmm. night whenever I was sleeping. And so the next day I took some Tylenol and ibuprofen and it was gone within an hour or two mm-hmm. and haven't had any issues since. Yeah, but you then, know, I had, I had the exact same experience. And then I've got friends that got the vaccine last week too and they've got pretty significant fatigue, body aches, fevers, mm-hmm. but they're not concerned about it because that's a normal response. Yeah, they're excited because yeah. we all we work in healthcare, so to have an immune response, we're like, yes, this is yes. a good thing. <laughs> it is a very good thing. <laughs> so moving along, with this vaccine, do we know if this is going to be something that we have to get annually, every six months, every three months? We don't know yet. Um, there are cases out there where COVID has mutated and caused different uh, forms of the virus, but the, as of right now, it does not seem to be affecting the parts of the spike protein that we've got antibodies or that we've got vaccines against. But that's the nice thing about mRNA vaccines. They're very easily changed for those genetic mutations in the virus. And so we could very easily just make that change. And it's very quick to actually make mRNA in the lab and can be done on a high scale. That's really cool. That's really awesome too, because Whenever we think about COVID-19 and the vaccine, do we know when our immunity kicks in and how long that lasts for as well? So length of time, not 100% known because again, we've only been doing Mm -hmm. this for 11 months now. The immunity usually takes up to 14 days to develop a full antibody response to it. And so even in that 14 days, you still can get COVID even after having the vaccine. Yeah, so I think that kind of should should show people, even though you get the vaccine, you still have to do like hand washing and wearing a mask and social 100%. distancing and, you know, staying in small gatherings. And just like, because you have the vaccine doesn't mean everybody else has. Mm-hmm. And so you're, all, everything that we are doing is not just to protect ourselves. It's to protect all of our loved ones, all of our family, and everybody in our community. Yeah, absolutely. So who should not get the vaccine? Is there anybody on our list that should be wary of getting the vaccine as well? So it is, under the age of 16, it's not approved for because there mm-hmm. weren't children included in the st- uh, studies, and that's for the Pfizer vaccine. Under the age of 18 for the Moderna vaccine. Um, and then if you have certain allergies to certain ingredients in it that are known, there aren't many ingredients in the vaccines, 
Um, the main ingredients that are in there, they're big long words that people are going to get scared about, are basically just, they're called uh, nanolipids. And all that is, is an, an, a capsule to encase the mRNA to prevent enzymes in our body from breaking it down so it can get into the cells to actually do what it's supposed to do. And that's all that is. It's basically a transport mechanism. And that's it. That's all that's in it. And so it's broken down very, very quickly after it's recognized by our bodies and turned into the particle that COVID spike protein so our body can amount the immune response. So if anything, all this should encourage us to get the vaccine. It should. I always think about whenever all of this started and we knew that the vaccine was coming soon, I thought about the flu vaccine. Mm -hmm. And I wondered if whenever the flu vaccine was first getting created, yeah. if it had this type of craze around it as well. I'm sure it did. I wasn't around for that. Yeah, I mean, none of us were, um, right? <laughs> they are looking at potential mRNA vaccines for influenza vaccines as well, um, because again, they can be made on a large scale very rapidly and be adjusted year to year. And I think that's one of the most exciting things is they can even do multiple vaccines in one vaccine, like multiple viruses in one vaccine, because they can string together uh, segments of mRNA to be able to fight more than one thing at once. So potentially, and this is just me like dreaming, at one point we could, if this continues on into the future, we could have like a COVID and a flu and a whatever else combined, we need. Yeah. yeah, all in one shot. And then it also opens the door for individualized medicine for people that have cancer with mm -hmm. that has known certain receptors on it. You can target that individual receptor and mm -hmm. not have side effects of chemotherapies. Mm -hmm. Which is really incredible because those are things that we've never had access yeah. to before, right? Because right now chemotherapies essentially attack every cell in the body mm -hmm. if it'll allow if your body allows it to pick up the chemotherapy then it's going to attack multiple cells that's why people get nauseous and vomit and mm -hmm. things like that and if we have medicines that basically make our immune system respond to only the cancer cells mm -hmm. and it won't attack the healthy cells right exactly yeah that's that's really cool that's exciting to me so I want to talk now about herd immunity because mm -hmm. we, we talk about this a lot as well. And people always say, do I really need to get the vaccine? You know, if enough other people mm -hmm. get the COVID-19 vaccine, we'll all have herd immunity. And yeah. I think about this, you and I have mentioned this before in a lot of other talks, chicken pox parties. Yeah. <laughs> so if enough people just go and hang out and get exactly. COVID-19. And my husband, he's um, he works like in the, in the construction type field. Mm -hmm. He goes and delivers a bunch of stuff and a lot of older men that he works with have all said, yeah, I think I've had it. Yeah. So it's basically the same concept. And what I worry about with that line of thinking with like the chicken pox parties mm -hmm. and things like that is people that don't work in healthcare aren't seeing those severe patients. Mm -hmm. If anybody can walk up to five, 10 minutes on our ICU floors in our COVID units and things like that mm -hmm. and see how sick these patients were, they would not be willing to get COVID just in the community because it is that scary. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think people don't realize too that just because you've had COVID once doesn't mean that you can't get it again. Mm -hmm. And I wonder too, if maybe if you get it again, your immune system may not have recovered, right? Yeah. And we may not know. We, yeah. we don't know how a person's gonna respond. There's been only a couple of cases where people mm -hmm. have been shown to get COVID a second time, and we just don't know how it's gonna work. Yeah, it's a, it's a very fluid situation. I know we've been saying that for 11 mm -hmm. months, but I think even into 2021, it will only continue to be a fluid situation. And I hope that people won't get discouraged if, get discouraged from getting the vaccine if 
it turns out that we end up having to change it and things like that because of mm -hmm. mutations. Or even if we have to go to year to year, like we do with the flu vaccine, because it change the flu vaccines change every year. Mm -hmm. And so it very well could be that we're seeing basically another virus that's going to come back year after year that mutates. Mm -hmm. But it's exciting too, though, because if we have this mRNA that you've been talking about, how cool would it be if we could just have one vaccine versus yep. going in and getting stuck multiple times? Exactly. To me, that's way more appealing. Exactly. I would absolutely go and do that. So I, I know that we're kind of nearing the end of our show, but I want to ask you one more question. Mm -hmm. As a medical professional, why are you so optimistic about this vaccine? Because, one, it's a huge step forward just in science in general and medicine. It opens the door for so many things, and it allows us to maybe have some, like you said at the beginning, a light at the end of the tunnel of this pandemic and let us get back to at least a somewhat normal life. Yeah, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head for everybody in the, the medical field. So thanks so much for being here today, Dr. Offit, and kicking off 2021. Yeah. So thanks so much for tuning into The Scope. If you liked our show and want to know more, check out fubsolf.org. Thanks so much.